0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. I do have a little family business to do, because like I said, this is a family. Uh, And family business isn't scary. Family business is like, hey, we do membership, and I consider them my family, and we have a few new members, and I just want to read their names. Some of them are in the room. If you want to stand up when I read your name, we will gladly golf clap you. Uh, but Terry, you, I know you're in here. I love you, man. Thanks for being a part of this family. I, yeah. uh, the two others are actually both serving in the sound booth right now. We got Noah, we got Randall. Uh, so thank you. Welcome to the, to the fam. Yeah, can I do this? If you are a member of this church, will you all stand up? There they are, all right? And I know that's like, Yeah, I'm all right with it. And I know some of you are like, you can sit down, members, because that makes the non-members feel like we don't like them. We love you guys, uh, but we do membership kind of on purpose. Uh, We want to tend for you. We want to care for you. We pray for you. We pray for all of you, but I actually have a list of people that are on my shepherding list that I pray for by name every day, because I want to tend for their souls And in this climate of American Christianity, if you don't like this place, I know where you'll go. It's called OBF, it's right about three blocks that way. And then when they make you mad, you'll come back here. Membership makes that a little harder, makes it belonging, it makes it a family. It means I'm gonna commit, it's like marriage a little bit. Even when it gets hard, we don't quit. Even when I say something stupid, we talk about it. Uh, And I'm probably gonna say something stupid. Everyone's like, amen, all right? Also inside a family, you also have roles shifting sometimes. Like I used to take out, like mow my yard, but now my 14-year-old mows the yard. That's why we have kids, right? Um, And so in this little family, this body, we have people doing certain roles. We do have elders. We have leaders. We have servants. We have all sorts of people. Uh, And in our family ministry, there's a woman named Miranda Gomes. Everybody know that name? Edna and Miranda came to us a few years ago. I love them. They are like family to me. They bless my heart every time they talk to me. They're like quiet, prophetic people, and they're the best people. Uh, She has been serving as our family ministry director for, I don't, not good with dates, oh, a long time, Um, and in recent months, she's decided she's going to just step out of that role, and we don't like to not talk about things, which means we don't want any assumptions. When you don't talk, everyone just starts... Uh, she's ch- making that choice for her family, which we actually honor here. Uh, we think family ministry, like her ministry to her family is actually more important to, than her ministry to this family. We would say the same thing to, to all our pastors. We say that to all our elders. We say that to all our small group leaders. Love your wife, serve your kids. And if this gets in the way, you do that first, Okay. So I just want to wanna pray as a family of blessing over Miranda. And if you see her today, don't. she told me not to celebrate her, but I think she's amazing. Uh, but I would have gotten a cake and jumped out of it and then made a big deal, and she didn't want that, okay? But I think the very least we can do for a woman that's kind of just served our kids and our families is just pray for her and, and her fam. And so, God, we do, we pray for the Gomeses that the strength and power and life of Jesus would be made manifest in their hearts. We thank you for her. We bless her. Uh, Actually, in the name of Jesus Christ, we speak blessing over their house, over their finances, over their kids, over their strengthening and parenting in hard times and good times and all the things that parenting entails. We thank you, Lord, for a faithful servant. And I just pray against that thing that happens to ministers when they step out of stuff, that she would feel condemned or like she's doing a half work or something, that you would silence the accuser and that she would feel your love and affection today and that if we as your body, hands and feet of Jesus, can love on her and that family, would you stir us up by the spirit and guide us if it's money, if it's groceries, if it's whatever it is, that you would lead us, God, to serve and love that part of your body. And we do ask for the future of family ministry, that it would be everything you want it to be, that our sons and daughters would be raised up to love you most, to worship and adore the Son of God. And so we thank you, God, for them, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. So grab a Bible. We are in Jude. It's one chapter long. Uh, it's literally just one thing. You can read in five minutes, talked a lot about this. This is the half-brother of Jesus that wrote this. He doesn't even claim to be the half. He says, I'm the brother of James. Uh, and And then he begins to preach on, hey, I was gonna write to you about how cool it is that we're saved by Jesus. But instead, I needed to write to you to contend, to fight, to stay with the true teachings of Jesus Christ. And in verse 17, he's now switching. He's been yelling about these false teachers, and now he's gonna look at you all And he's gonna go, but you, you do this. And I love it because it's the switch where we stop looking at the negative of the false and we start looking at the faithfulness of the true believer. And he's gonna say, you do this and you do this and you do this. They're doing that, but you do this. And so it's kind of the application of the whole book. And I like the application because it gets to real life. Start in verse 17, we'll read to 23 and then we'll break it down. And I don't think we'll be here long today. But every time I've ever said that, we're here long. So we're gonna be here long. Maybe that'll go short. Reverse psychology, got ya. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So we just get to talk about, that's all we're gonna talk about today. And then next week, Big Red, Jeremiah George, he's gonna come up here. Uh, and he's gonna wrap this thing up with the uh, doxology there at the end. But you, you'll notice he twice says, but you. And he adds beloved to it. But he says, but you must remember. Now it's hard for us to remember. Anybody know any apostles? Anybody know Paul or Peter or John or any of those guys? No, right? But we have their writings. And they predicted, they, I don't even like the word predicted because I think that's an ESV rendering they prophesied, they heard from God that in the last days, and they thought they were in them, but I'm thinking we're a little bit closer than they were even to the last days. In the last days, there's going to be scoffers. Scoffings like a, that's, I don't know, that's the best I got, all right? Like if you looked at something and you thought it was ugly, stupid, or smelled bad, make that face. That's scoff. Uh, Mock is another good word that you could get in there. Anybody ever been mocked in your life? right? So I've been mocked in my life. Uh, One time, I actually have a really loud mouth, uh, and I mocked, or I teased a girl, and she picked me up off my feet. My feet were dangling. She was a big girl. Uh, And she slammed me on a table, and then I got mocked. I don't even know why that's a story, but it is. So mocking is going to happen in these last days, but they're not just mocking like strength or normal things. They're going to mock the things of God they're gonna scoff at the true things of God. They're gonna mock and make little of the power of God, and they are going to follow ungodly passions. And I don't know if you know this, if you follow broader Christianity, this is happening. Like this is happening on a wide scale. Like people are scoffing at old ancient truths Things that are basic, orthodox Christianity, that Jesus is the only way, or that sexuality is this way, or that sin is this, and truth is this. Those are all getting fought and scoffed at. Like, how could we be those people? And they're then being mocked for being many things that Christians have, well, Christians have always been called a little weird. He says, remember. Why would he say that? Isn't it a shock sometimes when you're out in the world And all of a sudden you realize that not everybody out there is real cool with Christians. You're like, why don't you love him like I do? We're not that, like they have this characterization of us that we're all just walking around with Bibles hitting people. Like, pa pa, killing people, hating people. Thank you, Westboro. He doesn't want it to be a shock that the world is going to mock. But the reality is he's not talking about the world. Do you know that? He's talking about people that are sitting in the church in Jude's day that are puffed up on visions. Remember, we talked about that. They are puffed up on visions and dreams, and they're giving themselves sexually and sensuality and perversion. And now he's going, but remember, they told you this was gonna happen. It sounds a lot, actually, like 2 Timothy 3. I just wanna read the first few verses of that. You don't even have to go there. It's almost identical because they're fighting the same things Uh, Jude and Timothy but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self anybody know know somebody that loves himself a lot lovers of money anybody know anybody that loves money you're like I love money well let's talk uh proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents (laughs) just kidding ungrateful unholy heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. This is Paul with Timothy. Cuz they're fighting the same things and I think if you were if we were honest, we're fighting the same things, right? He's going, in the last days, in these times, there's gonna be people that love themselves more than God, except they're gonna put God language on it. There's gonna be people that are gonna go, well, I had a vision, and that means that I'm more spiritual than you, and therefore I get to sleep with who I want, and then they're gonna put God language on it. But putting God language on it, or just using the Bible just for knowledge's sake, does not mean that the Lord is pleased with what you're doing. And he's going, but so remember and remember that these people are gonna, they're kind of three characteristics. There's last three characteristics before the butt use, but you do this. He says they're gonna do three things. They're gonna cause divisions. They're going to be worldly people and they're going to be devoid of the spirit of God. Those are huge things because number one, the most unified people on the planet should be who? Christians. And sometimes the most disunified people on the planet are Christians. We hate each other well in the name of the love of God really well we're really good at it we're really good at writing dividing lines and dividing over things like modes of baptisms and uh, little little things tertiary things he says they're going to cause divisions and unity is a principle of the kingdom of God Outdoing one another in honor is a part of this. And so I'm supposed to look at you and go, how can I serve you? How can I honor you? How can I show you esteem? I'm gonna wash your feet. Equally though, what are we both trying to do? Honor, serve, love, walk in unity. And the only way we walk in unity is if everybody in here, you have to look at me, everybody in here, you don't look at me, I just made you look at me, that's why, we look at who? Now if we all tune our hearts and our lives to who? Jesus, are we in unity? So we have to kind of equally put this weight on each other. Please tune your life, change your life tuned on Jesus Christ. There's that famous quote that says, a thousand pianos tuned to one, one thing will be in. That's not the really good quote, but you got it. If you tune off me, y'all get kind of weird, kind of loud and kind of ADD. If we tune off David, we'll get kind of like harmonica playing. And uh, if we, we want to tune our lives in unison off the son of God. He says they're worldly people. And there is a whole generation of worldly Christians right now. In every way, they look like the world. They talk like the world. They watch what the world watches. They listen to what the world listens to. They they think like the world. And then they have a lot of biblical language to back up why that's okay. And Jude's going, it's not okay. And Paul's going, it's not okay. And Timothy's like, it's not okay. And and really, these worldly, worldly, I'm gonna, Worldly Christians, that's kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? I belong to heaven and eternity is my home, but I cuss like a sailor. Uh, I belong to Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But I sleep with a couple of people on the side. You, you see how those things don't go together? It's, it's kind of like salt water and pure water can't come out of the same thing, out kind of the same mouth, out of the same heart. Why? Because our hearts have been made new. And he's going, these people, they are, they're causing divisions which shouldn't be in the church. They're worldly, and then they're devoid of the Spirit of God. And I'm pretty passionate about the Spirit of God, um, but the, the reality is there's people in the church that use highly theological language. They even know Greek verb tenses, but they do not have the Spirit of God in them. And usually you can tell if someone doesn't have the Spirit of God because they don't have the fruit of God. So the fruit of the spirit is very revealing. Love, joy, peace, patience. Have you ever met somebody that has a lot of knowledge of this? They have very little love. Someone that has a lot of knowledge of all the five points of Calvinism, but they are so not full of peace. You're like, I think you missed something. And so we are in church. We love the word of God. Everybody say that with me. We love the word of God. We eat it. It's bread. Oh, it's like honey on my lips. Mm, I love, I don't know Never wanna do that again. We love it, but we equally understand that the word of God says those that are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So if you remove the spirit, but you still live in the church, it's, it's apparently possible because they're right there in Jude's church. They are worldly, devoid of the spirit, but they still speak spiritual language. They still have their dreams and their visions and they are causing all kinds of divisions. So what are we gonna do? What are we supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. He says, but you, and I love that. Because that's you, that's every one of you. If after this we went to Taco Bell, I could look at you and go, you, you do this. You, and then he uses a term that I want you to internalize today because I think it's, 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 it's actually critical in the body of Christ today that we know who we are. He says, but you, beloved, Do you know who calls you that? Like, do you know who in heaven looks at you, son or daughter of God, and says, that's my beloved? Do you? And not do you know it, do you know it? Because once again, we've talked about this a lot. When kids do not know that they are loved or care for or have good parents, they live weird. Orphans live weird because they're not sure they can rest in the love of their parent. We are cared for. We are beloved of God, which means he loves us with an unending, everlasting love that nothing can separate us from. So everybody in here can do this. Rest in it. But you, beloved. And I think so often when I run into Christians, they are not living in this place of like, I am cherished, I'm beloved by God. God likes me, he's for me, he's saved me. Are some of us a mess? Some of you are a hot mess in here, right? Like, we wanna do a hot mess hand check? Uh, no, we're in church, I know, let's not be honest, but I'll put both my hands up for the hot mess express. Um, and I, am I beloved by God? Does God love me? Tomorrow, when Anna says, take out the trash and I cop an attitude, does God still love me? Are you sure? Are you sure that he still loves you? And you're like, he, he might love you, Andrew, but I don't know about me. And this is what's tearing some of us apart. We are so shaky when it comes to foundational Christianity is, I was dead in my sins, but now I'm alive in Jesus, and he cares for me. He, I'm, I'm my beloved's, and my beloved's mine. So you could take away from me all, all like comforts of this earth. You could take this church from me, but whose am I still? I am the Lord's and the Lord's is mine. So it's, it's this beautiful like greeting and yes, it's, it's, it's Jude going, hey, you are my dear friends. But he's also reminding them who they are in the Lord. He says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Did you know that you're supposed to build yourself up Did you know that it's not just my job, but that we're working together to make this into a house of God where God's presence dwells? So everybody picture in you, I give you one Lego, all right? Everybody got your Lego in your hand? I almost brought Legos in here and threw them at you, but I thought that would be unnice to the janitor staff. So put a Lego, one Lego, build a house. You're like, done. When he says build yourselves up in your most holy faith, it'd be that a lot of us are doing the same thing as if I gave you one Lego piece. So one, our one Lego piece for a lot of us, come to church on Sunday and that's like your floor, right? But that's all you got on your house. So you come to church on Sunday, you hear some phenomenal preaching. Uh, I mean, just kills it, right? And then you like like the worship, you're encouraged, you like even shed a tear, you get prayed for. Then you hit Monday and immediately you're like, why do I feel so weak in my faith? Because you didn't build the house. Because the house is, yes, come and gather with the people of God. But then, hey, build yourself up in your most holy faith and add prayer to that. And then add scripture reading into that. And then add, hey, let's get together with other Christians during the week and celebrate communion and worship in our houses. And hey, let's add in some fasting into that. And let's add in to serving into that. And all of a sudden you have a house and you're meeting with Jesus and it's full and it's strong and you're not going in this fluctuating thing where every Sunday I feel great, God's amazing. And every Wednesday I'm like, life sucks and I can't wait to die. That's a little extreme, maybe just me. Okay, I'm an extreme guy. I just, I'm just, there's, there's hot or cold, that's all I got. We're either going 100 or we're not going at all. Some of you, when I say build up your most holy faith, you've never built up your most holy faith because all you've done is come to church, which is part of it. But I think if I could encourage you as Jude is trying to encourage his people, if you are not, as a man or woman of God, actively building your love for God and your repertoire of a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue God in the word this morning, then you're, you got a wall to a house when it hit at four. If all you know how to do is do a 10-minute devo and, and, and come to church and you're barely hanging on, I'm not mad at you either. I do, though, believe that each of you are called to walk in a fullness of life, that your life should look a lot more like Jesus and less, 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 less like you. So if I don't ever look at you and go, hey, that's a great floor you got. You got a great base. Let's add some walls. Am I really being a good pastor? No. Put some walls on your faith. Add in to prayer. Add in fasting. Add in serving. Go share the gospel uptown. Go die to yourself and build this place and this life that's strong so that from Monday to Saturday, which I'm much more concerned about now, Sunday's great. I love hanging out with you. It's this much of your life. I get you in an hour and a half. Does God have you the rest of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? That's what's much more better. Walking with Jesus in the middle of my week into a meeting is where I want, to, I want us all to live. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. And then he gives you some ways that even you can do that. He says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now that statement in itself makes some of us like our old Pentecostal backgrounds, we get a little bit like PTSD about it. But what does that mean? Because he's not the only one that says in the word, I want you to pray in the spirit. Paul says it a few times. Uh, Pray, praying, ongoing, continual word praying in the spirit of God well I'm gonna let a guy smarter than me define it everybody know John Piper Johnny P cool I don't call him that I've never, I actually have met him but I don't call him Johnny P to his face so to pray in the Holy Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit be the moving and guiding power in other words when you pray in the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God is moving you to pray That is, he is the one who motivates and enables and energizes your prayer. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is guiding how you pray and what you pray for. So to pray in the Holy Spirit is to be moved and guided by the Holy Spirit in prayer. We pray by his power and according to his direction. Now, I like that because sometimes when you hear praying in the Holy Spirit, some of you immediately clicked off into tongues. Uh, Those are my old Pentecostal brethren. Uh, And I wanna talk about that because I'm actually trying to pastor a few different groups here. Some of you come from a background like mine where I say pray in the spirit. You're like, I don't have tongues. I can't pray in the spirit. But Johnny P says you can. And I would say you can too. It's not prophetic. It's you you have the spirit of God, son or daughter of God. If you don't, those who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters. So when we pray, and this is how I was taught to pray, make a list, make your requests to God Prayer time over. Check, 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 check. Anybody in my Czech brethren? Not Czechoslovakian, but you know what I'm talking about. We were taught to pray like that. And I actually think there's a category of prayer in the word called petitions and supplications that fits that. I think God wants to hear what's on your heart. I think you should bring God everything. And when I say everything, I say this all the time. Talk to God about when you're angry, when you're full of lust, about sex. You're like, What? Yes, talking about everything. He already knows everything. So I bring my petitions. I bring my requests. I talk to God, my Father in heaven about everything. Praying in the spirit, I believe, is different. There's those moments where you're like, I must pray for fill in the blank. You are compelled by the spirit. And it's been happening a lot in this church, actually. Uh, two examples actually from the elders that I just watched happen. Uh, last week, one of our elders had a dream. Uh, and in that dream, it was just a, it was about spiritual attack on this church. He woke up and immediately a name came to mind. And it was pray for that man. Who was that? I'm not saying what, who, who was that? That was the Holy Spirit in that elder through a dream that then through a like, he guided, he led, he was like, pray for him. He needs strength. Same thing, Jeremiah, big red, what I call him. He's going to be here next week. He's, he's not big, he's big, okay? He was like, man, you make me sound fat. He's not fat, he's tall. Uh, he's sitting in staff meeting this week and he just starts weeping, which is not normal for him. Uh, he's very much like Jeremiah the prophet in the Bible. He just weeps. Um, but all of a sudden, he's just like weeping over our kids in this church Weeping that our kids would know that they are loved by God. And i do not going to say, this is not, he doesn't really care about kids. Uh, so he does, he has some, but that, that was abnormal, a guiding, a leading of the Lord to pray. That's praying in the spirit. It's not, oh, I have to have some supernatural revelation. You probably all have experienced this. I, when I pray in the spirit for you up here, I'm not trying to pray my will. So you might even come up here and be like, hey, I need peace, I'll pray peace for you, but what if in the middle of praying for peace to you, I'm just overwhelmed by this sense that God wants to give joy? Should I pray that to you? I would because there's this leading, there's this guiding, there's this empowering of praying in the Holy Spirit. And he says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, which is don't pray your will, don't pray by your strength, don't pray your list, do that on a separate time. Praying in the Spirit is, all right, God, burden my heart for what's on your heart. I wanna pray you, not me, which is harder to do, right? Because if right now it's like, hey, what do we need to pray for? What do you, in in a word, how can I pray for you? Some of you'd be like, peace, joy, I need money. All right, like I don't know what you'd say. That's easy because we can just bring it to our minds. Praying in the Holy Spirit is a spiritual act by the power of another. So it makes you lean into the voice of God, spirit of the Lord, and more of intercession. I would say this because I do believe in the gift of tongues. Some of you have that gift and you should use it. Now, you should use it wisely, but here's the reality, and I've never ever said this, but I actually, I pray in tongues more than I pray in English at home, all right? And some of you are like, I didn't know I was in that kind of church. Well, we're we're in a Bible church where we don't find a verse that says those things went away, and I begin to ask God for all the gifts of the Spirit. All of them, I want any of them, I'll just do this. If you give them to me, great. If you don't, I guess you're the giver, and you get to decide. Some of you have been in this church a long time and you have that gift and I believe it's time for us not just to say, hey, just hide that one because it makes people uncomfortable, but to say, the Bible says use that well. Steward the gift that God has given you. So if he gave you the gift of teaching, use it in accordance with your faith. And if he gave you the gift of prophecy, use it. If he gave you the gift of evangelism, get out there and get them saved. Get them in here and let's get them discipled. You see, like it's not so much like, oh, I don't have the gift of tongues, therefore I can't pray in the spirit. It's if you have the gift of tongues, use it smart. Use it how the Bible says. But if you do, I, I believe we're in an hour, you should be praying in the spirit more than ever. As times get darker, The church shouldn't pray less, it should pray more. As the things get more mocky and scoffy and laws are being enacted and fought about and companies are making decisions that are just like, the church doesn't scoff along with it, it prays. And not its will, but in the spirit of the Lord. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, the first and greatest commandment, do you know what it is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary of the law and the prophets. Jesus said that. The very first and greatest command is love God. Now, I've, I've ranted on this, but church, I want you to be a lover of God. I want you to love God with all your heart, with all your mind. I want people to look at you and be like, you're weird because you don't love this earth. You love something I can't see. Yeah, I love God. I want you to be unashamed about it. I want you to dote on him. I want you to worship him. I want you to be, serve the living God. There's no other. Now, how easy is it to, to just kind of like forget about that or let that dull or to let the earth rec- kind of convince you that the way that we should love God is in a quiet way that doesn't bother the earth? And the Lord's like, no, no, no. Love me in a way that That kind of could be undignified sometimes. King David danced in an undignified way. We talked about that. Um, I I put it in relationship terms. Like, you all have had real-life relationships, I hope. Um, You've all at least dated someone, probably. Now, how easy is it to fall out of love? I finger-quoted that because I've heard a lot of young marrieds say that. We're just not compatible. I'm like, you made a vow. Stop it. But if you're married, you know, uh, staying in love, staying in love, that feeling of like, I care for you, and oh, I care for you, takes a little work. It, it puts, I put date nights on the calendar because I don't want to fall out of love with Anna. I want to stay close to her. But I, I take a walk with her after dinner, just me and her. Why? I want to stay in love. So that's human. That's a human construct, right? Now, how do you do that with God? Exact same thing. I wanna keep myself in love with God. And you know that there's places you go that dull your love for the things of God. And I've rated on this before and I'm not actually a hater of cell phones, but I find this dulls me. You ever been in the end of a good scroll fest and you come out of that like like fog, it's almost like a fog. You're, You're like almost half asleep and you're like, where have I been for the last 45 minutes? but you kind of want to go back. That's the forming of addiction, just so you know, because they've just, I was going to go into dopamine hits and all kinds of, anyway, we won't do that. What I mean is if the phone makes me not love God, I would do without the phone. If the computer makes me not love God, chuck the computer out the window. If I go and I go with my friends, and this is all happened to me, when I first got saved, all my friends and I were a bunch of hellions, man. We stole, we drank, we did drugs. And so when I got saved, I literally burned all my drugs, burned all my rap CDs, take that, Nas. And then I went and called. I called all my friends and I was like, hey, I can't come, I can't go there anymore. You can come hang out with me and I'll be your friend but I can't go with you anymore. Why? Because when I went to the bar, or I went, we weren't old enough to go to the bar, but we went. Uh, I can't go to those places with you anymore because when I go there, I don't love God. And I want to love God. They slowly never called me anymore. But you know what I gained? Friendship with God. And that is more valuable than anything on earth. And that's the choice that Jude's put in front of his people keep yourselves loving God. So can you identify things that make you not love God? And I know this will sound harsh, but some of you younger ones, like you have girlfriends or boyfriends that make you not love God. And that's not a good exchange. It's not a good exchange. Keep yourselves in the love of God and in his love is how I would put it. So I do all I can to love God and the things of God and serve God and know God and be with God. And then there's also moments that you must realize that when, in his love is in awareness of his goodness and I feel his affection. So if I treat Anna abusively or in a harsh manner, do you think I'm keeping myself in his love? Because I, I have moments where I mess up, and I think this is a reality in this room. You mess up, you sin, and you feel distanced from God. You feel that? And the reality is, I don't think God's pleased with my behavior some days of the week. Now, I am saved and I am secure. I didn't lose my salvation, but to keep myself in his love, I will have to repent of those things. And it's almost like, all of a sudden, there, I created a gap that didn't need to be there. Jesus got rid of the gap. But sin affects our relationship with God. You know that, right? Some of you feel far away from God because you love the things that he died to free you from. And you have a war of love. Like, should I love the world today? I don't know what this is. Or should I love God? (laughs) You know, like, uh, and there's a struggle there. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And it's easy to fall out of love. I see it all the time. There's all these stats about high school students when they get out of high school, when they leave the church, they're just gonna leave the church because we didn't teach them to fall in love with God. We didn't teach them to be with the man Jesus. We didn't teach them a, a lot. We taught them, we taught them a whole heck of a lot on flannel boards and how we need to watch our mouths, but we didn't teach them the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We just taught them stuff. And I'm trying to teach you, love God. And you can know God and love God and be with God forever. Keep yourselves there. And then he says, waiting for the mercy of the Lord. And that's just this language of like, I can't wait for you to come. I can't wait because the the Lord's mercy is new every morning, Lamentations. Uh, we're just eagerly like, God, he's going to give it. He's gonna give mercy. He's gonna give grace. He's gonna give favor. And I just, I'm just so anticipatory of it. I just, I wait on the Lord. I can't wait for him to be here. It's this expectation. Now, I, I, Dave already jumped into this, but we didn't plan that. Like, And I think through, I do see a lot of hopelessness ticking up in the church right now. Like it's just gonna get worse and worse. God's not, you know, like we're just holding on barely by a thread to faith. Our God, he's not going to do anything. It's a hopelessness. I can feel it on me some days. And Jude wants us to be actually waiting with like a heart set towards God. And remember, the idea of contending is not going out and fighting people. The idea of contending, well, the cross isn't up here anymore, is staying as close to Jesus as possible and don't let anybody pull you away. Don't let false teachers pull you away. Don't let people with sensuality pull you away. Don't let anyone pull you away from intimacy with Jesus Christ. Know him, be with him, cling to him, love him. So he switches from but you, and then he goes, but you now, but for other people, I want you to do a few things, which is really cool because some of us, you're in this room and you doubt and I could do a show of hands, but I'm not afraid of doubt, and I don't think Jesus is either. And how do I know that? But he says, have mercy on those who doubt. Isn't that just like a balm? Like, hey, you don't have to be a butthead to people that doubt. I said butthead in church. I apologize. You don't have to be a stinky face for You ever met somebody that genuinely is just struggling with faith? What did he just say? What did the word of God just say? Have mercy on them. Don't belittle them. Don't be like, you should be stronger than this. You should get this. You're this much into faith. You shouldn't be doubting this. He says, have mercy on them. Which is the language of like, hold them up and help them walk. And if you need to for a while, support them so that they can walk strong in faith. Don't kill the weak ones. Don't stone the kids. Have mercy on them. Which means in this environment here, if you have doubt, we, we actually just were commanded to do a thing, have mercy, walk with you, help you, answer questions. And so that's why I said, if we're not afraid of doubt here. Ask your questions. Struggle. Welcome to Struggle Bus. Let's, let's do this together, though. What we won't do, though, is allow you to sit over here and act like it's not a real thing. Some of you, that's your problem. You're acting like you're not doubting, but you're full of it. You act like you're strong in your faith, but in the back of you, you're like, God's abandoned me. I don't know if he even likes me. But when you get to church, you're like, how you doing? Blessed to be a blessing, brother. And you fake it till you don't make it. That's not how it works. God God comes in and he changes human hearts and souls when they come to him in genuine faith and repentance. It's really hard to do that when you're trying to fake it like you're really strong. Come in your weakness Come in your doubts, welcome to cobblestone. And as every member that stood up, even non-members, what are we gonna do when we find someone that doubts? We're gonna help them. And we're gonna have mercy on them, not judgment. He says, save others by snatching them like out of a fire. Now there are some, like, and if I had a dummy, I could use my kid, but grab him by the collar and just drag him out of the fire. If someone wants to come up here and all firemen carry you somewhere, that's the idea. Put them on your shoulders and pull them out of the sinful place. Pull them out of the thing that's going to destroy them. Call them out of the thing that's calling them by name and they're running into sin. Grab them, pull them. Snatch them. Save others by snatching them. And then finally, to others show mercy with fear, which is a weird, weird use of words. So there are people you know, and I think it's very similar to my friends when I first got saved. I showed mercy to them, but there was also a a real awareness that they would drag me back in real quick. And so I had to do mercy, but with a little bit of like, I gotta be careful here. So if you are an ex-alcoholic and all your friends are alcoholics, then maybe the ministry for you is not bar ministry. Does that make sense? Uh, So maybe if like the biggest struggle for you is, hey, I really struggle with stealing finances, church finances is probably not the ministry for you. Uh, You see how this works? And so what I think he's saying is, you gotta realize that sin is really crafty. And the human heart wants what the human heart wants sometimes. And so as we're going about the work of ministry and saving people, be sure that you don't start loving the very things that are entangling them. He says it this way, hating even the garment of, that's stained by flesh. And you can get into like what garments they used to wear back then. It just means, hey, we don't even wanna like the stuff they're doing. We wanna save them though. We wanna love them in a way that they'll realize that that's gross, destructive stuff. And so here's what I like to do. I actually wanna read this from a version of the Bible that I'm not used to reading the message. Anybody ever read the message version of the Bible? Now, I like the message because Eugene Peterson actually knew Hebrew and Greek. I hate some other versions of the Bible because they're paraphrases. And this is a paraphrase. Uh, And I like it because it puts it in language that I just, I can hear. So if you want to close your eyes, I'm just going to read it over you, enter into a time of prayer, and then we're going to worship our way out of here, I think, even though I didn't tell Dave we're doing that. So maybe I'll just hum to get out of here. Jude, verses 17 to 23, out of the message. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master, Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke. And they're gonna make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches, thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way and be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself, it stinks to high heaven. I just like the word of the message. It's just really tender, especially the language of how we're gonna care for each other when we stumble. So I'll ask you this last question and then pray. How can you keep yourselves in the love of God this week? Because there might be places you shouldn't go anymore. You might even have to have hard conversations with close friends that when I'm around you, I don't love God well. Loving God is at utmost. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. First and greatest command. So can we just enter into a time of prayer and let God search our hearts and see if we're loving him well? It'd be a shame if we did all this, but we didn't love God. Or if we didn't even feel the love of God. So Father, we just come to you because of your word. And your servant Jude said that we are to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. So Holy Spirit of God, would you just highlight maybe something we need to start this week or stop this week? If our prayer life is lacking, if we uh, have grown tired or weary in the work of searching your word, But more than that, Lord, would you show us something that we need to do this week to keep ourselves in the love of God? We wanna love you. And I love God that it's not, I don't have to do a bunch of stuff to make you love me. You love us right now. Your love was shown on a cross 2,000 years ago to help us live our lives in line with the love of God. You don't have to do anything to receive the love of God, but I do think you need to say, God, let him love you. Like, some of you, you won't receive from God because you don't think your life's pretty enough or you didn't read enough. It's not about the stuff, it starts with receiving. So Father, we just receive your goodness. We open up our hands. We open up the parts of our hearts that maybe are weak or a little dark and we say, Father, we repent of those things and we come and ask for your love and the light of God to shine. I just see, like the Lord's just like, man, will you let me love you? Will you let my love set you free? Will you let my love lead you? Will you let my love be your base ground floor? That you are beloved, cherished cared for not only did he author your faith he's perfecting it right now so God we give you our hearts and we respond in singing about how great you are we love you but you first loved us and so church we're gonna end in song but the the prayer teams are gonna come up afterwards and if you need to confess sin that's an honor of the church to confess repent I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.CobblestoneChurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.